Time for seafood news. You're listening to the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News staff writer Ryan Doyle. And I'm Ernaberry market reporter Lauren Castiglione. This episode is brought to you by the latest issue of Ernaberry's Reporter Magazine. The summer 2021 issue is now out, and it's one you definitely don't want to miss. Visit ernaberry.com reporter to get a digital copy or subscribe for free. And on our top story today, well, you know, before that, Lauren, I just want to first say how excited I am to be taking the reins for a little while uh, alongside you for the podcast uh, for the next couple of months as Amanda's out on maternity leave. Um, I'm going to try my best uh, to fill in her shoes, but I know I know you have my back for at least a, at least a little while of before course. you get tired. Of I'm glad <laughs> the Lauren and Ryan show is back yes. together. You know, you did this once before yep. when, when Amanda was out, so... Uh, it's going to be some fun. Yes, this is round two. Take two, and hopefully uh, yes. it goes a little, <laughs> no, it'll, it'll go by smoothly, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but we lead things off with Brazil-based meatpacking giant JBS and its agreement to purchase Australian salmon farmer Hewan Aquaculture for $425 million Australian dollars. Hewan said JBS will acquire 100% of the company for a cash consideration of $3.85 per share. The share price is a 61% premium over the closing price of $2.39, which was the last traded price before the company announced a strategic review on February 26th. The board at Hewan Aquaculture unanimously recommended the move to sell to the world's largest meat producer, who will now set its feet in the seafood industry. Hewan is the second largest salmon producer in Australia, with its operations based in Tasmania. Over the past five years, the company has invested $350 million in operational infrastructure and sustainable practices through the salmon production cycle, which JBS said positions the firm for growth. JBS said in an August 6 press release that the transaction is expected to be completed by year's end following required court, regulatory, and shareholder approval. In our next story, look at Alaska salmon landings and Pacific halibut landings as both fisheries hit their halfway points to begin August. In Alaska, total landings of 105.43 million salmon represents 55.4% of the preseason projected catch. As Seafood News contributor Peggy Parker pointed out, the wild card ahead is the pink salmon fishery in Prince William Sound, which is expected to peak in the next few weeks. Landings there have been increasing and are now at 31.5 million pinks, well over the projected 24.85 million. The statewide total landings of 105.43 million salmon are made up of 51.1 million sockeye, 47.6 million pinks, 5.74 million chums, half a million coho, and 166,000 chinook. The total salmon harvest is now 10% above the year-to-date total for the last year and is 5% above the five-year year-to-date average, according to Dan Lesh of McKinley Research in the Alaskan Salmon Harvest Update from the Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute. Let's shift focus to Pacific halibut, where the fleet in British Columbia has caught nearly 65% of its quota of 5.23 million pounds. In Alaska, 48% of the quota has been caught, or 9.14 million pounds, of the 19.6 million pound 2021 limit. Alaska landings of halibut are slightly ahead of last year. Comparing year-to-date dates by August 1st, Alaska had landed 45% of the 2020 limit, compared to the 48% of this year. And next up, we take a look at recent actions taken by U.S. Customs and Border Protection. The CBP said it will detain all tuna and other seafood harvested by Fiji-owned and flagged vessel, the Hangton No. 112. 
A withhold release order was issued effective August 4th, 2021 against the longliner fishing vessel based on information that reasonably indicates the use of forced labor in Hankton number 112's operation. The CBP said it found at least three of the International Labor Organization's 11 indicators of forced labor during its investigation, withholding of wages, debt bondage, and retention of identity documents. Recently, the CBP issued another withhold release order against Dalian Ocean Fishing Company following a forced labor investigation in May of this year. And Lauren, let's take a quick look at some of the markets you cover at Ernerberry. Uh, last week, import numbers were released, and you took a look at Pangasius and Tilapia imports. Can you give us some of the takeaways? Sure thing. So typically, Tilapia frozen fillet imports outpace that of Pangasius on average by just under 100 million pounds at the year's end. However, on a year-to-date basis, with import data recorded from January through June of 2021, uh, 2021 is showing an inverse of that trend. Currently, tilapia frozen fillet volume reports 95.1 million pounds for the first half of the year, while Pangasius boats, uh, while Pangasius boasts 119.2 million pounds for the same time frame. And Lauren, can you break down or give me an explanation behind the reason behind this flip flop uh, this year? And it could be something. Could it be something to look forward to in, in the coming years? Of course. Um, so while tilapia frozen fillet imports have been downtrending since tariff came into play a few years ago, this inversion is more so attributed to Pangasius imports picking up and kind of making a bit of a comeback after very much underperforming in 2019 and 2020. So, you know, production efforts in China were tempered throughout this year to deal with delays from, you know, all the logistical issues and port congestion and closures that are still weighing heavy on the tilapia market. But as you know, these import numbers are on a two-month lag. So right now, Vietnam has emergency restrictions in place, as we've talked about on the uh, the podcast before. So Pangasius production is at a fraction of the workforce. So this trend could possibly correct itself by year's end. Um, but, you know, in true pandemic fashion, you can't really rule out anything at this point. Awesome. Thanks for the insight, Lauren. Really appreciate it. No problem. And uh, Moving along, we head up to Alaska where James Aaron Stevens of Kodiak uh, was sentenced by U.S. District Judge Joshua M. Kindred last Friday to six months in federal prison. A $1 million fine, 126 days in a halfway house, and 80 hours of community service. Stevens, who's the owner and captain of the fishing vessels Alaskan Star and Southern Seas, was subject of an investigation by NOAA's Office of Law Enforcement for four years, from 2014 to 2017. Yikes. <laughs> so this case against Steven culminated in charges being filed and a guilty plea made almost a year ago on August 21st, 2020. Stevens pled guilty to one count of false labeling, a Lacey Act violation, for knowingly submitting false records concerning where the fish he harvested and sold were actually taken. Uh, taken together, the halibut and sable fish that Stevens falsely reported had an approximate dock value of $4,522,210, or $4.5 million, to make it easy, but I like to make it right. harder myself, Lauren, <laughs> and a market value of about $13.5 million. That there was a lot go. smoother. Uh, Stevens sold the falsely labeled fish caught during these trips, which were or were intended to be transported in interstate and foreign commerce. And for our final story, let's talk lobster rolls. The summer staple has gone up in price this year with everything else, but some recent headlines indicate that sales are steady. A recent story from the Portland Press Herald found that although some lobster shacks are paying a premium for product, consumers have still shelled out for the tasty lobster rolls. 
that pun was very much intended. <laughs> See, I, I was going to say, did you like my pun? That's about, I cut you <laughs> off. I should have gave myself a little bit more credit. And that's 100% right, Lauren. Um, I've, I've shelled that for a few lobster rolls this summer, as I always right. have to. It's one of my favorite seafood uh, <laughs> seafood options, especially down here by us at the Jersey Shore. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's all over the menus. In Ernerberry's July market briefing, our Jim Kenny broke down the high demand for lobster meat. Jim explained that due to starting from a low supply and dry pipeline, buyers scrambled to first replenish and then meet the needs of an insatiable buying public. The prime demand period for lobster meat is summer when tourists flock to East Coast shorelines and fairs demanding lobster rolls. Uh, the timing is critical and the need to have supply on hand prior to the 4th of July holiday fueled the frenzy. So despite the strong season in Canada in the spring, the low supply to kick off the year has led to a supply constraint considering the massive demand alongside the warm summer months. Thus, the consumer noticing some higher menu prices this year. And that about does it for us today, Lauren. Once again, this episode is brought to you by Erner Berry's Reporter Magazine. Visit ErnerBerry.com slash reporter to get your copy. 